0: This episode of Blank Sheet is sponsored by the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra. Welcome to Blank Sheet, a podcast where art is interesting. I'm Emil. Today, we're delving into the process of Allison Lynch. Musician, composer, actor, music director, and singer songwriter, Allison has created scores and sound designs for numerous musicals for major theaters. Allison has been nominated for multiple Betty Mitchell and Sterling Awards and has won three Betty Mitchell Awards for lead and supporting actress roles. Uh, her Instagram tells me that she is a lover of teacups, cats, and motorcycles. So, <laughs> welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. That is all correct information. Good, good, good. <laughs> I'm glad I got Especially all that. Especially about right. the cats. Especially
0: <laughs> about the cats and the motorcycles. Yes. Cool. Okay. Um, you were do you do a lot of artistic endeavors. Um, you do a lot of things. I couldn't include it all in my in my little preamble. <laughs> um you know songwriting, acting, poetry, whatever. Do you find that they mesh somehow?
1: I think they do. Yes. I find that often in creating one thing, another thing really comes in handy or ends up leading into the other thing. So yeah, I find they're they're all very interconnected. Mm. They have been throughout my career, I think.
0: right. And as you've developed your career and developed into what you're doing now, do you find that you sort of isolated a particular area that you're most interested in, or do you think it all sort of accumulated and culminated?
1: I think I kind of go through cycles. So there are times when I'm, you know, I'm really into theater in terms of acting and then other times I you know I'm more into the sound design side and then I'll maybe I'll be working on a show as an actor and at night I'll be going home and you know songwriting or whatever so yeah they all kind of flow in and out of one another and I don't know it's it's hard to just focus on one because I have such a deep love for all of them i think Mm,
0: like choosing children i guess yeah (laughs) kind (laughs) of well that's interesting what you say about about cycling between them Mm -hmm. you know but you found that you sort of your brain chooses what it wants to do next and you sort of go with it or do you dictate time allotted for i'm gonna do songwriting i'm gonna do whatever
1: well i'm trying to get better at doing that because i think that is actually I think that's a a huge part of being an artist is, um, you know, not just doing your art, but learning how to do your art well and how to also take care of yourself at the same time. So this is a constant learning curve for me, um, especially with doing multiple sort of genres of things. Um, It's really important for me to kind of set aside time to do one thing or another. Um, and sort of look at my year as it's sort of unfolding um, in terms of booking contracts and that sort of thing for either acting or sound design or whatever um, in order to give myself periods of rest <laughs> right. in between because it, it can absolutely get to the point where there's just too many things happening on top of one another and that, that does get stressful.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a big thing about, uh, I guess, mind and body where, you know, your, your mind relies on your body. And your mind is also very, it's, it's, you can't control it when it comes to art Mm -hmm. and and schedules and the muse don't necessarily play nice (laughs) with that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, that's, that's totally true. I think, um, in terms of what you were saying there about controlling your mind or not being able to, um, I think that's somewhat of a myth because, um, I think as artists, we can work on not necessarily controlling our mind but but um having sort of a discipline in our in our creation or in our way that we learn how to create or practice creating because i do think that even the creation process takes practice and uh you know it's great to just all let it loose and let it happen whenever it happens but it can also be really helpful to discipline yourself in terms of You know, I wake up in the morning and I do my morning pages or, you know, every night I read one poem or, you know, just small things like that, that, that really add up over time.
0: What is your concept of what discipline means to you? I mean, on one side, you have discipline as in a, a regimented school like discipline where it's this where it's practicing and it's constant repetition to create this art. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum for some types of, of artists or creator, it's complete lack of discipline. It's complete everything everywhere. <laughs> Where do you find your level of discipline?
1: Well, that's interesting because um, it's, it, like I said, it total learning curve for me, lifelong learning curve, uh, because there are times when I do much better at that um, than than others. So for me, I guess, Um, discipline for me involves sort of checking in with each of the things that I enjoy doing and making sure that I am taking time to sort of foster each of those things when I can and not sort of neglecting one or the other so obviously if I'm working on a sound design I'm not acting or I'm or even if I am if they're kind of overlapping contracts or something um, I try not to forget about those other things that I enjoy such as like poetry or songwriting or whatever um so I, I kind of try and check in with those things by maybe like I said like writing or reading a poem at night or or writing one if I can but sometimes reading somebody else's work you know it, it gives you inspiration as well as giving you sort of a, a break in terms of the output creative output that you have to give in a day
0: right so sort of uh Equal input and output, I guess. Yeah. You can't have one without the other.
1: Yes, and you also can't have any of these things without self-care. Right. <laughs> Another <laughs> very important thing. I'm going to drive that home. <laughs> so
0: that's the trinity of creativity. Input, output, and loving yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very good, yes. <laughs> and then you take Van Gogh, who, you know, uh, cut his ear off, but, you know, let's right?
1: not Right? I don't know how the self-care was going there, but.
0: Dude. <laughs> You mentioned poetry. Um, it's not in your official bio, but I, I've read online that you really um, have a thing for poetry.
1: Mm-hmm. I do. I I always really enjoyed poetry when I was a kid, uh, writing it and reading it, but mostly, mostly writing it as a kid. I discovered a lot of um, sort of uh, hilarious poems that I'd written Uh, When I was really young, like elementary school age, uh, in my parents' basement recently. (laughs) And uh, I thought, oh, I'd forgotten that I really enjoyed writing poetry back then. Because, um, you know, over the last couple of years, I've really gotten into writing poetry again and um, exploring that and reading new writers that I hadn't heard of before. So.
0: And poetry really relates to song lyrics. Like mm-hmm. one fun exercise I like to do sometimes is, you know, take a poem that either, uh, I like poetry too, actually. I wish I had more time for it. I need to work on balance like you have. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> like, you know, I, I take a poem and then try to, try to um, you know, mesh it with a tune or even a, a classical tune or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I find that, that really poetry and lyrics aren't that far off, yeah. if there even is a delineation between the two. Yeah, what do you think?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, um, poetry is, I think, can be singular in in that you can, you know, it, it is art in itself just without any kind of melody, even just without even being read out loud, just completely void of any kind of sound output at all it is still very beautiful um, and can can be sort of related to visual art as well in terms of how the words are, are placed on a page. Um, so it's another kind of interesting facet of poetry to me. But uh, yeah they, it does flow so seamlessly into uh, music and you know even if you look at like um, someone like Foray or Chausson, um, those French art songs uh, or you know a German leader or whatever which I studied a lot in uh, university, um, the, the you know the poetry came first and then the music and uh, they just so beautifully work together and complement one another. So. Yeah, I guess it it is kind of a, I guess it naturally sort of came out of the enjoyment of songwriting for me.
0: Hmm. So then, does your poetry um, relate to your lyric writing? Like, what what's your balance between those two?
1: Well, a couple times I've written a, what I thought was a poem, and then it sort of became a song <laughs> later, uh, and then vice versa as well. You know, I've written a couple of songs that I thought. Um, this is going to be a song, and I tried really hard to make it a song, and it, ju- it just, it, I just, you know, I wasn't feeling it after a while of working right. on it and thought, oh, okay, well, the reason is because this is not meant to be a song. It's meant to be, it's meant to be just words, and mm-hmm. that's okay, too.
0: And and you got to let it flow. Like, you got to allow yourself to change things. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the biggest things I've learned about documentary is that you can't go in for you know my personal style so many people have different styles but for my style you can't go in with more than a thesis Mm. depending on whatever but my optimal way of making one is not going in with more 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 than a thesis and that's you know that's really it's scary (laughs) and and it's really scary but one of the biggest things i've learned as i've pursued my art is that you have to not be married to anything Mm -hmm. like that's one thing um that's mentioned a lot in the script writing industry or whatever is don't get married to your ideas
1: yeah absolutely and in the theater we say don't be so precious you know (laughs) (laughs) just just uh, let things happen organically and if you are able to relinquish a little bit of control then that's really when the magic happens
0: right because in a way it is your it is your subconscious which creates what you create Mm -hmm. in a way and your subconscious doesn't necessarily relate to your analytical part of you
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah absolutely so it's i i find you know especially in just living in today's world i i find myself wanting to have control over you know many things in my life and so then when it comes to creating there's this sort of blockage that i've you know this thing i've been practicing which is maintaining control in other areas of my life then i come to creating and have to just kind of uh, let that go so that i can make some art that is authentic
0: your latest album is skin in flame it's clearly contemporary jazz as you describe it but what's really interesting about it is that it, it really expands on that, not only beyond jazz, so contemporary jazz, but it adds elements like ukulele. <laughs> and I find that really interesting. <laughs> Could you tell me a bit about these these mixtures and innovations that you're that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I um I think I just I really enjoy learning new instruments or trying out new instruments and uh, I I've always loved jazz. Um, my parents are jazz musicians, so okay. I,
0: kind well, of... so you were raised in a house filled with jazz.
1: <laughs> yeah, and actually, I d- I really didn't appreciate jazz until kind of later high school. Then I, because you know, growing up, I thought, oh, well, this is like old people music. And then I realized, oh, actually, I I mm, I love this music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um and at the time, I just got a ukulele, and uh and I thought, I mean, you know jazz standards are cool but what would they sound like on a ukulele (laughs)
0: what made you decide to do that
1: i don't know i think i was just sort of messing around and and a lot of the stuff i was hearing on ukulele because it's a pretty like popular sort of trendy instrument right now Mm. um and a lot of what i was hearing was sort of just very kind of simple chords um you know not even um very technically challenging say like some of the traditional ukulele music like hawaiian style music is uh, some of it is just absolutely incredibly technically challenging i have
0: to admit i never i've never heard any traditional ukulele Mm. music
1: yeah some of it is is quite amazing there's some incredible players out there too but yeah i think just sort of messing around i thought like you know i like to kind of um mesh or, or um smash different things up against one another that maybe don't generally, you know, aren't considered like, oh, those things go together in a puzzle yeah. piece, you know. Um, so that's sort of where I I started exploring mixing those instruments and the ukulele sound with jazz.
0: Yeah, when I think of, of one of your songs, it opens with, um, I think it was, um it was the deep deep in the blue Mm -hmm. it opens with solid ukulele chords yeah and then there's voice and i think there's like one or two instruments in the background and and the the um jungle beneath the lyrics is very thin at Mm -hmm. times
1: you know growing up i guess my first sort of experience of performing was always you know it was just me and my dad my dad played the piano and i sang and uh so i think i really grew to love that sort of stripped away sort of sound um, of just very few instruments and then growing up and hearing I got really into like pop music and rock music and uh, I think I just got maybe oversaturated with that a little bit and going into university and later university I just kind of experimenting with my own music I found I enjoyed that that stripped back sound again with fewer instruments and even like slower tempos and that kind of thing.
0: Right. And it also, it also draws a lot more um, attention to your voice because your voice is very pure, very articulate. It's like, it, it really doesn't demand, you know, a, a heavy underscore mm.
1: underneath it. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's probably, um, you know, I did a uh, classical training um, for voice. So, I, 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 you know, I, it's not going away, <laughs> it's it's in there now, that classical sound and the sort of carefulness that I I think I, you know, kind of characterizes my sound a little bit, that ca- um, carefulness of, or precision, I guess, hmm. attempted precision <laughs> uh, <laughs> with singing, producing vocal sound.
0: Right. Do you consider your classical education an asset?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's a huge asset. Um, I had a very incredible teacher, uh, Patricia Hrenkew, at uh, the university, and um, she really taught me how to use my instrument. You know, I I was using like a small portion of what I I had, and she really encouraged me to open that up and kind of explore the whole instrument rather than just being afraid and using this tiny, (laughs) tiny part of it. so not only the lessons in singing, but also you know, my theory lessons and my history lessons and all those things, um, they really, I think enriched my uh, my ability and and also my knowledge in terms of say composing or songwriting, any of those things I think have all benefited from my uh, my education you know, classically as especially to do with um the ensemble performances that i did mm. um the early music ensemble at U of C was huge for me as well and that was directed by janet Youngdahl, who's another kind of mentor of mine i always looked up to her as an incredible singer but also teacher and um you know i really thank her for introducing me to that early music sound because it's definitely influenced a lot that i do now
0: mm. I guess you need that groundwork you need to distill the the compartments so like jazz as a compartment and ukulele as a compartment before you start messing them together like you don't take a half and a half and put them together (laughs) you take two fulls and create something you know twice as large sort of a thing
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean i didn't really i was really um you know a beginner on the ukulele uh when I started trying to do jazz on it and you know that took uh, quite a while to be able to play some you know jazz chords more kind of more complicated chords um but yeah it, it helps if you you know people always ask like um is it good to diversify like is it is it you know does it hinder you to to do kind of more than one thing or is it better if you just focus on acting or if you just focus on music or whatever and I really think that diversifying is, is hugely important and can be a great asset because of what we were talking about before, how much those things really support one another and kind of blend into one another.
0: Right, and I mean, I guess you don't have to express that so ov- overtly and that, oh, I'm taking this and this and putting it together. If you do specialize in one thing, like acting, so you do that for a couple months, you still, the, the formative experience of other things still sort of dribble into that, still sort of seep into it. Mm-hmm. And makes you a well rounded and better at what you end up specializing in either post education or or at the time that you're that you're choosing to do it.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think in terms of the arts especially, they really all, you know, support each, you know, an ability in one sort of category will really help you in another. Because, for instance, acting, I find, is extremely musical um, because it is all about listening. And if you're a good listener, you are, I think, like 100%, uh, you've got 100% chance of being a better actor if, you, if you're a good listener, so, yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah, You there. there's so many parallels. I was recently interviewing a composer, and he was talking about... Um, about how um, placing musical notes, it's more about the rests in between them and the notes. Mm. And in the end, as you distill it down and down, what is something which, which makes, a, makes an audience react emotionally is the darks and the lights mm. contrasted. So there's breath and music, lack of music and music, and then I, I started to i started to appropriate that onto video editing oh. where video editing when you're putting together a movie or a documentary or what have you it's all all about the breaths between a fast shot and a and a slow shot and a person and a landscape or whatever mm. and it's that constant back and forth which makes you know you you ma- it makes an impact on absolutely.
1: your audience absolutely yeah yeah It's, uh, yeah, the silences are important. You know, my my teacher used to say that to me too. Uh, My violin teacher used to say that to me, that silences are important. You know, um, as important as the notes, for sure.
0: Right. You recently did some sound design uh, for a theater production, and um, sound design and and composition for theater um, is a very, very, well, first off, this is stressful, stressful world. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very different uh, from my perspective from writing sound design or music for an album or for a single kind of release. Mm-hmm. Well, what are your thoughts on that? The differences between these two aspects of your life?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely very different. Um, you know, when you're writing for an album, uh, you you're your music or your voice is, it is the feature, right? There's no real visual component unless you, you know, you're creating a music video or, you know, say your album artwork or whatever. So there can be those visual components. But if you're just speaking strictly about the music, then yeah, it's, it's to be listened to, you know, that's Mm. kind of the way that people are going to consume it. Um, And for the theater, you know, uh, the sound is complimentary. And it's meant to be a a support to what's happening on stage. So it's kind of, yeah, there's a different way to sort of approach it, I feel, um, in a way that, you know, you don't necessarily want it to just disappear. Um, You know, I've seen some uh, shows where the music I think is great, um, but I don't really remember it. I just, it just felt like it supported the piece. And that's fine. That's great, too. Um, But I think it's... you know the the music is to me a huge part of the piece so i think it should be memorable um it should support but also be memorable um and give give the actors kind of a you know the support in the scenes that they need you know if you take away the music from say a film uh, a horror film imagine like imagine jaws without those two notes <laughs> repeated over and over shout right? out to john williams yeah <laughs> thanks for that john yeah um you know what would it it would be quite different a different experience to to see that film without the without that score, and the same I think goes for the theater. You know without um a, an uh, you know a, a sound um bed of support underneath it's it's quite different. And then when the sound goes away, like you're saying in those rest moments, that has a a huge impact as well. So yeah, I'd say um a different approach in terms of when. Uh, silences are are used and also what the function of that music is going to be.
0: Because there is an awful lot of silence, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like you get 5 to 10 to 15 minute stretches of silence when it's just the actor's time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and other times, you know, sometimes you want uh, something underneath, uh, say, a monologue or mm-hmm. something or underneath a scene or kind of creeping in, um, you know, un- to create suspense or uh, to create some kind of excitement or whatever, right? So, yeah, a huge part of the the that job is just determining where the music should happen and where it should not happen.
0: <laughs> How do you go about striking that balance? How do you interact with all these different departments doing different things to make it all work together as a as a as a whole?
1: Well, um, I spend you know um, a good deal of time just talking with the director and discussing. You know their their vision. Um, it's great to work with a director who really, um, uh, I guess, values the the designer's ideas as well. Um, so that it can be really quite collaborative, um, because the lights and the sound are, are very complementary, I think, to each other. If they can be, then that's great. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll spend time speaking with a director about where they. Visualize these things happening or uh, not happening and then present sort of my ideas as well. And then we mesh those together as, as good as we can and start creating from there.
0: Communication is key. Absolutely. It's a collaborative process. You could say that recording a single is an intensely collaborative process too, mm-hmm. because you've got, you've got different elements in that. But I guess, I guess it's a lot more of, a, of, a, of an intrinsic thing to you. Uh, if it's if it's recording some of your music versus needing to sometimes, I guess, compromise with other departments? Like, do you find that sometimes you have to compromise to, to get it to all gel?
1: All the time. Yes, for right. sure. You know, I, I might have some idea for a piece that I you know, I really love, I want to use this piece that I've created, but it's just too much. It's too much for this section or, you know, the actors are feeling that it's like weighing them down or whatever. You know, we we all have to sort of work together to find the the middle ground or the the place that's going to be the most effective. So collaboration all the time.
0: And in the end, it's a huge, it's a huge finished product that one person couldn't do. And Mm -hmm. I guess that that's one of the most exciting things.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. And because like with anything that you're creating, you know, you don't necessarily know what it's going to be at the end. You start with kind of a kernel of an idea. You, you have a script and you have a bunch of talented humans. And then everybody gets to work and communicates as well as they can. And sometimes that completely falls apart. <laughs> and sometimes it goes very smoothly. But at the end, you know, you've created something that, like you said, it could not be done without all of these talents in the room and working together. So it's pretty magical.
0: One other thing that you do is Shakespeare. <laughs> um, you play Juliet in a production for the Shakespeare Company mm-hmm. uh, here in Calgary. And uh, coming from a background as a singer, how is that an asset to something like Shakespeare?
1: Well, Shakespeare, I think, is the most musical of theatrical texts. Um, it's it's just you know a lot of poetry, uh, mostly, and uh, you know the big speeches are generally um, poetry, and so being having a, a musical mind or, you know, understanding music and how sort of um, how to convey a sentence in a way that is going to have the most impact in terms of like where your vocal inflections are and those kinds of things. Having knowledge of that is extremely helpful in in a read of Shakespeare or in trying to convey that to an audience.
0: Hmm. And just a thought, this might be stupid, would you say that song lyrics are to the degree of poetry that Shakespeare is to the degree of poetry?
1: Song lyrics to poetry as Shakespeare is to poetry. I mean, whenever you throw Shakespeare's name in there, I kind of just sort of like cower and bow down (laughs) (laughs) because I feel like Shakespeare is just so, so high above anything that, you know, anything, not necessarily anything else that I've read um, in terms of like poetry or, or song lyrics or whatever, but... But I mean, in a way, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I guess I would say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how poetry seems to be the, to be the base of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost the original intention, yeah. and then it's sort of been expressed in so many different ways throughout culture and history and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah it does really, um, you know. I don't know I guess guess it's hard it's hard for me to even differentiate sometimes between like lyrics and poetry like we were saying because they're both they both just are so part of one another
0: right everything is connected
1: Mm -hmm. the circle of life (laughs)
0: life. (laughs) (laughs) well Alison thank you so much for being on the podcast today
1: oh thank you so much for having me
0: Today's outro music is a sample from Deep in the Blue, uh, my personal favorite track from Allison's latest album, Skin and Flame. Uh, any plugs you'd like to make before we wrap up? Instagram, well, future things, come, albums.
1: Come see Hamlet with the Shakespeare Company. It's running right now until April thirteenth. Mm, okay. Yeah, this is the Vertigo Calgary, studio. Alberta.
0: Vertigo, mm-hmm. Calgary, Alberta. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Blank Sheet. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends who also might find art interesting. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Blank Sheet Podcast or at Blank Sheet Pod. And uh, you can follow me as well at Emil Gopian Film on Instagram. We'll see you next episode.
1: St. Peter the pearly gates. He's in a bar at 5th and 8th drinking my